Koite Arapuru Sounds E ngā reo, e ngā mana, raurangatirama, tēnā koutou katoa. You are with the Moment in Time podcast series for Sounds, Centre for New Zealand Music, Toi Te Arapuro. Talo falava, I'm Tau Iliili Alpha Maiava. Fayumu Matthew Salapu, or better known as Anonymous with a Z, in the music and creative industry, was commissioned by the Ministry of Pacific Peoples to create intention, a soundscape to accompany the Ifonga, a ceremonial process seeking of forgiveness in the Fasamoa or Samoan tradition, for the dawn rates at the beginning of the New Zealand government's historic apology at the Auckland Town Hall. Anonymous has a wide background in the audio creative industries, including composing soundscapes for Black Grays, the premier dance company, many other theatre productions, also for the 50th anniversary of friendship between Samoa and New Zealand in 2012, and for the Festival of Pacific Arts in Guam in 2016. I asked Anonymous about his involvement with the Dawn Rates Apology Ceremony. I have been commissioned by um, the Ministry of Pacific Peoples from the minister, minister's team to create, recreate the moment um, through sound um, that the, that the Ifonga process or the forgiveness process that uh, the Dawn Raid Apology event is loosely using as a framework. So, um, you know, as you, as you said before, like, you know, I have a wide variety of background, um, backgrounds in the audio um, creative industries. And, and one of those spaces is, uh, as you mentioned, is as a soundscape artist. You know, I've done soundscapes for Black Grace, who are, you know, our premier dance company for, you know, multiple theatre company shows. Um, also for the New Zealand government for the 50th Friendship anniversary with Samoa with John Key back in 2012 I believe at the Guahan Museum part of the 2016 Festival Pacific of Arts uh, a soundscape there tracing Inga Bisa who was part of the first uh, Mo movement who got exiled to Saipan so you know I've got quite a bit of experience in the intersection of soundscape and cultural history and kind of framing these a lot of these um, stories. So I was approached by the ministry to basically um, create an audio bed or a soundscape uh, that the audience will sit in um, to, you know, for a few minutes to kind of take us all back to what the apology is for in the traditional Samoan context uh, that this event's loosely frameworked around uh, the Ifonga process which is where the person who has committed the thing that they're asking for forgiveness for they sit outside the the, the house of the person of the family they're apologizing to for as long as it takes while they're covered in a fine mat and when they are forgiven when the family deems that they are forgiven they will come and remove it if if they get forgiven, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and so, obviously, you know, uh, with this event, they're just using that as a as a framework, mm. as a framework uh, for um, to make it meaningful. And Jacinda was quite clear that she didn't just want it to be words on a paper that were just set out, like, you know, that if she was apologising to the Pacific peoples who uh, the people at the time had wronged, 
then obviously we need to kind of right from the outset of the event paint a picture make people feel okay what are you apologizing for what is this and so uh, that's basically what i've been asked to do is just use sound um to kind of uh, recreate that moment and i think that was a really smart call on their behalf you know it's we're far too saturated with visual imagery these days and as we all know you know when you detach one of your senses it alleviates your other ones so i think that the decision from the ministry to not necessarily start out right by showing us literally you know documentary footage which we've seen we've seen the news interviews and everything but to just make everybody sit and just use our ears just really sit in the frequency of the moment and so that's basically how i've uh, come into this Working with Anonymous on creating music for the Hifunga was Hufunga He Akomoilotu, Dr. Okusitino Mahina, a distinguished Tongan academic and retired professor of Tongan philosophy, anthropology, and aesthetics at the University of Auckland. I asked him about the effect the Dawn Raids had on Pacific communities in the 1970s. I could read the expressions on on my brother's faces, uh, that fear, you know, uh, which is uh, a, a psychological crisis, emotional and, and I mean it's 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 physical bodily of being caught as a person, uh, psychological. It's, it was also psychological, emotional, and also social cultural, because they were Tongans, and they were connected to to other Kainga and to the whole of Tonga, uh, in socially and culturally. So the the whole equation, you know. The effects and effects were were all of the above. They were affected and affected uh, physically, socially, because they had to hide from being seen. Uh, and the pressure, uh, fear, is uh, basically psychological and emotional. Well, it creates an inability yeah. to be able to think, do anything, exactly. or plan forward. It was like an uh, atom bomb mm. awaiting to explode. Without knowing when. Yeah, when. Yeah. <laughs> the uncertainty uh, uh, there was to the whole experience uh, was attributed to this living in fear and of course fear of 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 not being able to fulfill their social and cultural obligations mm. to tautua to faifatongia to keeping the va here and back in tonga you see the ifonga is deeply symbolic and meaningful I asked Anonymous about the role of this soundscape in the apology ceremony. I think, uh, lead, like for myself personally, like empathy has to lead. Like we have to immediately empathize with those who were affected by it. Like there will be a lot of um, slogans and a lot of, you know, very craftily written things about this. 
But if we put ourselves in the shoes, or well, actually if you woke up in the morning you weren't wearing shoes, but if we put ourselves in the experience of somebody who just has their morning turned upside down in such a way, because um, if this apology is for that act, then we need to put ourselves in the, you know, in the mindset of those that the act was done towards. And so that's the basis of the soundscape. It's not, you know, I don't want to make it Hollywood overblown or put in any orchestras or anything to kind of push it a certain emotive way. It's literally a depiction of here is what is. Like, it sounded like this. And that's a challenge too, because, you know, if we were watching on a Hollywood film, you know, you can have the perspective of the cop and the cameras in the cop car. Then you can go to the room of the family that was in the room and then you are outside the door doing the knocking and then you're on the inside of the door hearing the knocking and it just becomes a very, you know, you've got a lot of things to play with when it's a visual medium. But when with the soundscape, you know, you're like, okay, which, who, whose perspective are we hearing this from? Like this door knock, do I use the sound of the door knock from the outside so now I'm from the perspective of the officer? Do I muffle it and EQ it out so that it's from the inside um, and so forth? And do I have murmurings and if those murmurings are done, do, what are they literally saying? Because if people hear literal words in the soundscape, it's going to push it a certain way. So there's a lot of um, things that I kind of have to kind of really sit back and be quite neutral about. Because what I don't want to do with the soundscape is try to over-dramatise it and you know, try to push an agenda with it. Really, it's just recreate um, what in my mind would have been the moment, um, you know, because at the end of the day, I was not in those rooms being done raided. I've seen all the interviews. I've heard what they said it was like, and I can't assume to be in the minds of the policemen and their intents with how they knocked and what they were saying, whether they were racist or not. I could never do that. So really what I'm recreating is not the intent behind what happened, but what happened. Just lay it up. It sounded, would have sounded like this. Um, and if you're sitting in the Auckland Town Hall, then you're going back to that moment where you're hearing the perspectives of the officers, of the government, and the people that our Pacific brothers and sisters that this happened to. So... It, uh, it, it's been more not necessarily producing but reducing as mm -hmm. Kanye would say um, but just making sure that the core elements are there and you know everything else is uh, it's just icing on the cake it's detail but not over dramatising it and making it something that it doesn't need to be while I'm building these soundscapes it's very simple to do at the Hollywood traditional production way which is just go to some sound libraries or whatever but you know if I'm using door knocks or, or certain sounds you know I want if I have them in my archives then you know I'm actually bringing physical places into the town hall like there's a part at the end of the soundscape which is where we use water to kind of wash away the mm. you, know, you know it's the forgiveness let's you know and you know I can use just I could just use whatever water sounds good, but if I take water from the Pacific that I've recorded that I know signifies this, then I'm taking that time and that place and that intent that I recorded at Falealupo or over in the Guahan waters, and I'm taking that, that file, that snapshot of that time, place and intent, and I'm bringing it back into the town hall mm -hmm. for our prime minister to sit under and feel the intent and the depth of the forgiveness that I want us all to feel and hopefully progress us all onto, onto healing in another better chapter. 
I asked Anonymous how he put the soundscape called Intention together. It's quite a straightforward piece in terms of the sound design, the soundscaping. Because um, like, like I was saying before, I'm really mindful that I don't put too many, tr like there's so many tricks and really fancy things I want to do with the sounds and make it do this, make it do that. But the second I do that, I distract from the painting. It the, the it's, it's now, yeah, yeah, it's about the... And so the, the soundscape itself is quite straightforward. It, it lays out chronologically what would have happened on those mornings. Um, and then it's also, uh, if you can imagine the camera in the place of a... Sorry, if you can imagine the microphone in the place of a camera that's swinging from shot to shot. So, you know, we're going to hear... We're out, like, like a movie, you, you frame it with the wide shot where it takes place. So, you know, it starts off with, um, you know, the cicadas and, and the, you know, the, the early bird life. So those are taken from recordings around here um, in Aotearoa. And then, you know, it'll swing to the unlatching of a gate. So now you are the person on the outside that is encroaching. And, and then you hear the door knocks. And so the, the camera keeps swinging around, which is the microphone, keeps changing perspective to kind of hear. And then it starts to overlay because, you know, that's one of the most um, common things that I've seen in the recollections is just this nature of chaos and disbelief. You know, it's, it's the early morning. You're at your most vulnerable. You're not even fully conscious yet. And as you say, like, that must be horrifying to some to kind of all of a sudden have see the almost intruders and flashlights and dogs frothing at the mouth and it's chaos and so you know the soundscape devolves into a bit of chaos and there's a lot of juxtaposition of sounds uh, and so forth and then I very consciously uh, decided to juxtaposition it with an uh, old Richard Moyle recording of a traditional farewell song when somebody's about to depart um, and it is a recording that was taken of a family back in um, Samoa, one of these classic recordings. And so as this chaos and negative thing is unraveling, you hear this very smooth hymn underneath it, um, you know, which is ironically a hymn of traveling. So here we are as the people who traveled over the oceans, over the waters to come here. We get treated in a certain way and now we have to travel all the way back over the oceans, back to where we came. And so that, that song of departure kind of is there symbolically um, and then ironically like I said the, that water um, element is, is quite a metaphor for the transition like there's a moment at which we tip from the indiscretion to forgiveness and that that needed to be uh, quite a big moment in the piece because it, um, sonically we need to indicate to the audience and indicate to Jacinda this is the moment at which the forgiveness is happening like we've gone from the uh, thing that was wronged to a moment where you're forgiven for it and water is the, the metaphor for that um, I like how uh, Norma has also um, She's given meaning to it too like in Maori culture like in you know a lot of our indigenous cultures when you leave a cemetery you've got to wash your hands to let go of the um, the space and obviously we kind of have physical water in the um, town hall so just hearing the sound of water speaks it has many references uh, and so forth, but you know, to me, I put it there so that it can just wash away, um, you know, the 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 negative energy and usher in um, the the new phase forward, which is where uh, Dr. Mahina, uh, him and his uh, Fangu Fangu and his um, granddaughters, um, that was quite a big transition because we're essentially moving from digital into back into analog. 
and so I've met with him um, to kind of hear what they're playing because the really cool thing about uh, Fungo Fungo is they're not necessarily tuned exactly to the 440 hertz uh, Western tuning. You know, when they make these instruments, they have a life of its own. They will have a frequency of its own. So uh, the, over the sound of the water, there's also another tone that plays, and I'm tuning that tone to the key that they're playing in. Um, so I've had them come in, heard their first couple of notes, and I'm just making sure that that chord that holds at the end um, which I, which is also made up out of a very special location. Um, uh, uh, there's some very special locations that I've been in, which are very very significant to um, you know to our Pacific Indigenous histories. That I'm taking recordings of those places, and I use the software to turn them into sounds, to tones. And so there's a tone that will underpin them playing live. So at that moment, you basically you know it's going to be a really beautiful transition of physical spaces used digitally handing the sound handing the moment back into the present with mahina and it's all in key it's all in tune Tell me why you had to integrate and bring your granddaughters into the whole process to play with you and what emotions that uh, evoke for you um, just having the fruit of the reason why we leave home for a better life mm -hmm. now side by side during the time of the apology. You, you said it both very, very well. The bigger picture and the narrower picture which is the use of the Fonofango uh, and the sound associated with it, which is called in Tonga uh, the sound of death and the dead, which is associated with the past. So this ancient instrument, which is near extinct, belongs in the past, symbolically. Eh? And it evokes and invokes, as you rightly said, uh, the in the play of the past, the present, and the future, uh, where we in Moana Oceania uh, bring the past to the front as guidance and upon which the future is brought to bear, guided by refined past experiences, where both the past and the future are constantly mediated in the ever-changing present. See how clever um, uh, the thinking and feeling of our ancestors uh, in, in, in uh, mediating the metaphorical and historical dimensions of time and space, notably the past, the present and the future. And that's one thing why we we thought of using this ancient instrument and this ancient inverted comma sound, which can be approximately translated as the minor sound or minor tune, you see, just to to contextualize the dawn rates 
in a, a broader musical, artistic, aesthetic uh, uh, context through the medium of sound. This instrument, I believe the same was was uh, done in Samoa and in other Monaushinia Pacific Islands, you see. This uh, particular instrument was used to put people to sleep and awaken them or wake them up from their sleep. So, it, again, it's a kind of transformation through sound again, through warmth. Yeah, beautiful. And, and this was uh, specifically used for, for members of the royalty and, and nobility. You know, run about 11, 10, 11, you know, you have a group of uh, nose flutists or fun fun players, you know, playing away, giving soothing. It's no soothing effect and effect, you see. Putting the, say, the monarch or the aripaia to sleep. And then early in the morning, before dawn, you hear the same by bringing them back from the world of sleeping to the waking world. Like every other project I get involved in this, like I've got to assemble the right team of sounds. So once I knew, okay, this is going to need door knocks, sirens, you know, I might get the siren from an Otara Gangster rap album I did five years ago. I might get the water from the Guahan Museum uh, exhibition that I did. Um, I might take the, you know, I just take the elements. I assemble the team of sounds for this mission. And I know that they're not just any sounds. They're sounds from real places, real spaces with real intent. And then I just start to create and you just start to build the layers. And I have a very um, hip-hop graph approach to things. You start with the big very rough sketch sketches that's just my nature a lot of beat makers and a lot of people are able to do the detail from the outset i'm not one of them i like to just rough sketches outlines and then they just start solidifying and then it becomes shading fine tuning and before you know it the graph pieces are done so i think that's the hip-hop part of me that's still stuck with me in terms of how i create pieces so at the moment i'm in the fine tuning stage the main outlines for the soundscapes have to be done um, I'm actually thinking about activating online social media and asking people, uh, I'm not going to tell them what it's for, but asking people to record door knocks from all around Aotearoa or the world and just send it in. Because it'll just take them a minute. Um, it's, a, it's a collective story. Awesome. It's a collective story. So I've, I've done that in the past with Te Oro, uh, the Te Oro soundscapes that adorn the Glenlinus Music and Arts Centre. I worked with three iwi there in the local community for over a year, recording over three, four hundred community groups and then sampling them all into a three-movement symphony of sound. So I'm thinking for this, like, now that I've got all my main bits done, I'm thinking of just asking online, hey, look, if you've got a minute of your time 
and you're against racism and you want to contribute to a project I can't yet talk about, but this is, you know, then send in, record yourself knocking on the door, send it through and I'll embed it into the work. So we're, we're all in this together. I don't really have an expectation. There's a hood artist that I used to work with, uh, Milkman. He's an underground legend in Mangele, and one of his lyrics has always stuck with me. It is what it is, and it'll be what it becomes. And, you know, all I can do is just put my best foot intention forward, hand over the file, and people are going to receive it how they receive it. I can't control any of that. I would like to think that it will contribute to you know, uh, a better, more fairer society that people walk out of there or people watch the live stream around the world and really go, I could feel the intent, I could feel, and then, and then the world shifts a certain way. So I really pray um, that the way all of us involved in this project, there's so many amazing people involved with it, and there's so much bureaucracy too, that's just the nature of the beast. And so it's a complex thing to navigate, so many moving pieces, so many people with their intents, so many... Um, layers of complexity but at the end of the day good is good bad is bad and you know somebody at the end of the day operating this just press, presses play and people will receive it how they will receive it so the whanga was a real touching way of starting the ceremony um, historically in our culture uh, when you do a wrong back home, um, that's one way of, of um, presenting yourself to the family you have wronged and seek forgiveness and when the family is ready they would lift the cover off and that could be a matter of hours or days or weeks um, and so to start the ceremony today with that was very touching and, and befitting of, of the, the last 50 years. Yeah. One thing I now realise is like um, the, for myself personally, the the finish line always shifts, and it's never like you just feel as as long as you feel content. As long as I feel content, that's a win. I've you know in the past there's been so many projects I made and oh that's going to be amazing and I get there and you realise that when you get to the the finish line it's actually just the start line of the next thing, and you get to that thing and you like make it out to be and then you post about it and it's the greatest thing ever and it's such a career highlight this looks really good on the portfolio and when you get there and you tick that box you realize okay you're already thinking about the next thing it's just the inherent nature of 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 us in the space so i really just view this as uh, myself using sound to serve and as long as i serve in a way that my parents would be proud of me then on to the next mission. I know that a lot of people out there have divided views on this event and, um, you know, what the apology represents and what it, you know, all this type of thing. For me, it's, I look at it, I take a step back and I look at it and I'm like, oh, what's this apology for? Oh, okay, so two-thirds of the people that were overstaying were, you know, European in, in origin and yet two-thirds of the people that were targeted were brown people like that's <laughs> like that like factually like that's racist so you know what do i want people to learn from this is accept that you know what's done is done and let's do away with racism and the way um that the law is applied because i mean i'm of the thought that 
you know, the the dawn raids were not necessarily illegal. Like, in terms of, you know, if you've got people overstaying, irrespective of skin colour, you're overstaying, you're breaking the law. Like, I'm, you know, I'm Samoan. If we were in Samoa and there were all these other nationalities that were, you know, taking resources um, because they had overstayed their welcome, of course it would be in Samoa's best interest to, you know, make it more fair and equitable for the taxpaying citizens. So I get all of that. So to me, the apology isn't necessarily the fact that there were dawn raids. From what I understand, dawn raids have continued to this day. There's been like 61 over the past year um, because technically people are breaking the law and it's in the interest of the government to get these people out to you know, make those resources available for the um, taxpaying citizens. So, but the way in which that law was applied was inherently racist. And I've been in the industry and creative industries enough to know that a lot of laws and stuff are applied in a way that benefits a certain group of people um, with resourcing that it doesn't, um, that's not afforded to others. And so, you know, there's a, there's a game being played here. There's a way that the system is being played um, to the advantage of some and to the disadvantage of others and that needs to change in my opinion. So I hope that this event becomes a bit of a template, a bit, a bit of an acknowledgement for other nations or other institutions to realise, hey, are we governing this in the best way possible? Are we doing everything that you know is, is fair and equitable for all that it, it affects? Today, I stand on behalf of the New Zealand Government to offer a formal and unreserved apology to Pacific communities for the discriminatory implementation of the immigration laws of the 1970s that led to the events of the Dawn Raids. The government expresses its sorrow, remorse and regret that the dawn raids and random police checks occurred and that these actions were ever considered appropriate. Our government conveys to the future generations of Aotearoa that the past actions of the Crown were wrong and that the treatment of your ancestors was wrong. We convey to you our deepest and sincerest apology. We also apologise for the impact these events have had on other peoples, such as Māori and other ethnic communities who are unfairly targeted and impacted by the random police checks of the time. We acknowledge the distress and hurt that these experiences would have caused. I really commend Jacinda. Um, for uh, taking this on, taking this project on. You know, I, I like I said, I've, I've grown up in one area of society, um, completely different life, you know, like background, and then went to, uh, you know, a school like Auckland Grammar, and I've come through classical music circles, done a lot of projects with that side of the... Trend, um, <laughs> um, Yeah, and so, you know, I understand the differences and a lot of the inherent biases you know, about how one side views the other. And I maintain a current um, Herald premium subscription so I can read the comments of what a lot of middle um, New Zealand thinks so about these. The eye on the eye yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that I'm on one side or the other, you know. 
I would like to think that I, I want to be a contributing um, member of society as a human, as an artist, and all these types of things. And in a democratic society, I always have to remind myself, democracy re relies upon an informed population. I'm very informed on my Pacific culture heritage, lived experience, all of that. I'm very informed, lived culture experience of, you know, European, white New Zealand. And this event is where new, white um, New Zealand is coming to grasps with an incident with the Brown Museum. And so sound is a very powerful way to, um, to bring upon the healing that we're wanting to see in this conversation. You know, to a lot of other cultures, you know, sound is sound. It's just something you hear, you know, in, in our in, indigeneity, in, in indigenous circles, you know, the Māoris use the porotiti string instrument whirring over the, the, uh, the tummy chest of a sick baby because those bass frequencies dislodge the mucus that, that, you know, that can help the baby recover. Mm. Uh, Hokulea, when I was recording um, the Hokulea from Hawaii, uh, arriving on um, Ngāti Orake shores, recording that. They, um, before they step into the water, they, they, they do a chant, forgotten the name of it, but that frequency and the way they vibrato is designed, not designed, but it's been passed down as it unlocks the space, it unlocks the frequencies to allow the ancestors to guide them onto shore. Uh, you know, and so the way we view sound is very, very different. It, it serves much more than just this aesthetic value of what we hear, but it's about the, the, really the feeling, the way the Māoris kapahaka and stomp to wake up their ancestors underneath their feet to bring them into their performance so they, they can manifest it into an analogue performance. Uh, you know, it's just fascinating to me um, the, the way our indigenous people use sound and so for me it's a privilege to be asked and commissioned on this project to be able to use the conduit of sound to bring upon the healing between these two parties. That was Fayumu Matthew Salapu or Anonymous talking about his soundscape intention that accompanied the Ifonga, the ceremonial seeking of forgiveness in the Samoan custom and historic apology by the New Zealand government for the dawn raids of the 1970s. We also heard Hufanga Heakomoelotu, Dr. Okositino Mahina, who contributed to the soundscape, as well as the Prime Minister of Aotearoa, New Zealand, Right Honourable Jacinda Ardern. This podcast was presented for Sounds Centre for New Zealand Music, Toi Te Arapuoro, by me, Tau Ili Ili Alpha Mayava. The producer is Roger Smith, sound engineer Phil Brownlee, production assistant is Nina Lesperanze, and executive producer Diana Marsh. Thanks to Radio New Zealand for their audio from the Apology Ceremony, and thank you for listening. For more about this podcast series, Moment in Time, including extended interviews from our contributors in this episode and other sounds podcasts or information about the music of Aotearoa New Zealand, go to the sounds website, sounds.org.nz. That's S-O-U-N-Z. Fafitai telelava. Noreira tenakoto, tenakoto. Tenata Del Cato. Toy Sounds. <laughs>